This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. President Biden himself will be traveling to sub-Saharan Africa this year. This is one of his major foreign trips this year. That's VOA State Department correspondent Cindy Sane on what President Biden might say regarding the recent rapprochement with Africa. Are the details coming up? Also among the survivors pulled from rubble in Turkey is Ghana footballer Christian Atsu. Sixteen Nigerian pilgrims were killed while crossing Burkina Faso on their way to Senegal. And U.S. President Joe Biden gives his annual State of the Union address later today. All these and more coming up on African News Tonight. But first, our top story, rescue crews in Turkey and Syria rushed today to find survivors buried in the rubble of buildings toppled by powerful earthquakes that left more than 5,000 people dead. Among those pulled out alive was footballer Christian Atsu, who has appeared in 65 international matches for Ghana and currently plays professionally in Turkey after stints with four British teams. The 31-year-old Atsu is being treated for injuries sustained when a building collapsed in Hatay, which was close to the quake's epicenter. After a night in which temperatures fell close to freezing, more than 20 quakes of magnitude 4.0 or greater shook the area along the border between the two countries. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan declared seven days of national mourning. Countries around the world were rushing assistance to Turkey. A White House statement said President Joe Biden spoke with Erdogan yesterday and said the United States will send any and all aid needed to help. Among the contributions are search and rescue experts, sniffer dogs, doctors and aid workers from the South African humanitarian organization, Gift of the Givers, who are on their way to the devastated areas. Darren Taylor reports. Gift of the Givers has worked in Turkey and Syria for more than a decade. It provides aid to victims of conflict in northern Syria, where millions of refugees live in camps on both sides of the border. Gift of the Givers director, Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman, says his staff rushed to the epicenter of the quake, the Turkish city of Gaziantep, soon after it struck, just after 4 a.m. local time. I've been to Turkey 28 times. The buildings are high, they're solid, they're full of concrete. If they collapse, there's going to be mass casualties. You know, people are going to die, and the buildings are so close to each other. The populations are huge, and there's just too many people living in those areas. Gift of the Givers is particularly active in Gaziantep, which Suleiman describes as Turkey's gateway to Syria. We have a child care center in Gaziantep, the kids were evacuated when the tremors came. Fortunately, the buildings not damaged and nobody was injured. But sadly, the brother of the founder members of the child care center that works with us is missing, where his building collapsed, and they can't find him at the moment. He says his teams have already rescued many victims, including babies. It's snowing, and the guys said when we came out of our house, we had to wait 30 minutes or more to get back into the house because we were afraid of the tremors. But the snow was thick. The rain was heavy, it's freezing cold, it's difficult to move, the equipment can't go, teams can't go, 
it makes it very, very complicated. Suleiman says parts of cities and towns are now just piles of rubble. Based on what he's hearing, he has no doubt the death toll will soon pass 10,000. And in Syria, of course, we have one of the largest hospitals in the northwest of the region. Already 35 deceased people just came from some areas, and we've seen 173 casualties just from a small area. All the hospitals in that area and clinics are converted to emergency centers. So the death toll in Syria alone is also very huge, and the casualties are very high. Suleiman says survivors have no shelter in sub-zero temperatures. Gift of the Givers is channeling its resources to Turkey and Syria and plans to soon have more than 100 doctors and 25 search and rescue teams on the ground. We pulled out people from the earthquake in Haiti eight days later, 17 days, 25 days. But those are very, very rare cases. Depends how injured they are, how cold they get and people will, will perish because of hypothermia. What's important is to get in as fast as possible. We have special equipment, equipment that can locate life under the rubble. We've got video cameras that can see into the rubble. We've got sound audio kind of machines that can hear sound even though there's noise on the outside. We'll try to save as many as we can, but the reality is that the death toll is gonna to be huge in this earthquake. Suleiman, a specialist in treating trauma injuries, says he's traveling to Turkey as soon as possible and he's getting advice from the government in Ankara about where his skills are needed most. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. President Joe Biden will deliver the second State of the Union address of his presidency on Tuesday evening, an event that comes as the president faces criticism over his handling of a Chinese balloon as U.S.-China relations become a flashpoint. In talking to Cindy Sane, our our VOA State Department correspondent, she starts out by explaining first what in general terms uh, the U.S. State of the Union is about. Yes, that's right, Yehayas. Well, the State of the Union is a little bit like a progress report for the President of the United States to the citizens of America. It's with a lot of pomp and circumstance. Uh, it's announced in the in the Congress and the president walks in to great applause and lawmakers uh, vie for a seat on the aisle to to get to to shake the president's hand. And uh, yes, uh, the president talks about the State of the Union, how the country is doing, what uh, he has accomplished over the past year, and what he's looking to as priorities for the year to come. So now that we know what the State of the Union is all about, give us a little preview, a look ahead, if you will, that Biden will be uh, speaking to tonight, uh, especially once related to the realm of foreign policy. Yes, right. And I believe that foreign policy will play a bigger role than it usually does during these speeches. Uh, We have just had this uh, balloon incident uh, with China, which, excuse the pun, uh, experts say has sort of burst the bubble for any attempts to improve U.S.-Chinese relations. Secretary of State Antony Blinken would have been in Beijing right about now meeting with Chinese President Xi. But of course, he canceled uh, the visit because of this surveillance balloon, which is really has regular everyday Americans talking because many of them actually saw it with their own eyes, you know, drifting over a big swath of the United States. So it has brought home that 
China is a national security threat is unsettling for a lot of people. I believe that we will hear President Biden having a tougher line on China and perhaps designating China or calling uh, Beijing, the the uh, Communist Party, a bad actor. Ukraine should be mentioned as well. Oh, yes. Ukraine is important. And I think you'll have President Biden again appealing to Congress to please keep approving funding for security assistance. The U.S. has already committed more than $27 billion to Ukraine since Russia invaded that country almost one year ago. And I think Biden will be highlighting what many see as a success, that he has formed and kept a pretty ironclad Western alliance uh, supporting Ukraine and not buying Russian oil and gas. So I, we'll be definitely hearing a lot about that. And uh the rapprochement with Africa. I, as you remember, Cindy, the, a summit in December for African leaders here in Washington, D.C., where uh, Biden met most of African leaders. And also, uh, lately, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen, as well as the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Linda Greenfield, were visiting Africa. So will this be also part of the uh, address this evening? Uh, yes, yes, I believe it will. We have really seen a strong diplomatic push, as you mentioned, with these high profile officials and, you know, uh, Yellen representing a very big push for uh, economic interests and business uh, interests for the U.S., in Africa. We've had Secretary of State Blinken go twice. And as you mentioned, President Biden hosting African leaders at the White House, holding a summit, meeting with them and uh, trying to may have more of a partnership with them. And then also announcing that uh, President Biden himself will be traveling to sub-Saharan Africa this year. This is one of his major foreign trips this year. So this is definitely a very different, a renewed push uh, for Africa for the Biden administration. Chatting with me, that was Cindy Say, our VOA State Department correspondent. Russia has vowed continued support for Mali's military government in efforts against Islamist militants as Moscow seeks to shore up relations with its allies amid Western isolation because of its invasion of Ukraine. Annie Reisenberg reports from Bamako, Mali. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov spoke in Bamako Tuesday alongside his Malian counterpart, Foreign Minister Abdullah Jop, at a news conference aired on state TV. Lavrov is visiting Mali after months of increasing cooperation between Russia and Mali following France's withdrawal from the country last year. Lavrov's speech was translated into French and broadcast live on ORTM television. We have delivered very important aircraft, he says, and this has considerably increased the capacity of Malian armed forces to eradicate the terrorist threat. Mali has been fighting an Islamist insurgency for more than a decade. Russia delivered several fighter jets and helicopters to Mali in August of last year. The French army intervened in Mali in 2013 after the north of the country was taken over by Islamist militants, but withdrew last year on concerns about Mali's military government working with Kremlin-backed Wagner Group mercenaries. 
Since France's withdrawal, the Malian government has denied claims that it is working with mercenaries and claimed only to work with official Russian instructors. Mali has been under international scrutiny for cooperating with Russian Wagner mercenaries since last year, with the UN and several international human rights organizations calling for investigations of massacres committed by the mercenaries working with the Malian army. Lavrov and Jop both referenced efforts by the United Nations to investigate human rights abuses in Mali. Both ministers described those efforts as neo-colonial, with Jop claiming they are an effort to destabilize Mali. Rights groups and journalists reported on human rights abuse allegations committed by Russian mercenaries several times last year. Following one investigation, French broadcasts were banned from the country. Last week, UN experts called for an investigation into international crimes committed by the Wagner Group in Mali. Following testimony at a UN Security Council meeting on January 27th, Mali's military government expelled the chief of the UN Mission to Mali's Human Rights Division for destabilizing and subversive actions against the Malian government. Violence has continued to spread south in recent years, with several attacks in recent months near Bamako attributed to Islamist militants. In July of last year, Mali's main military base in Kati, 15 kilometers from Bamako, was attacked by Islamist militants. Annie Reisenberg for VOA News, Bamako, Mali. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Authorities in Cameroon say 27 people, including senior police officers and a well-known media module, has been detained in connection with the killing last month of popular journalist Martinez Zogo. On Thursday, a Catholic priest who was a radio host reporting on government corruption was also killed. Journalists in Cameroon say they're increasingly receiving death threats and experiencing harassment, as Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaoundé. The media professionals called for justice and protections for those in their trade after two journalists who reported on corruption were found dead in the capital in just two weeks. The mutilated body of popular radio host Martinez Zogo was found on January 27 in Yaoundé, five days after he was abducted. On Thursday, Jean-Jacques Olabebe, a Catholic priest and radio host, was also found dead in the capital. Two days earlier, Bebe, who had called for justice for Zogo, told Cameroon's Galaxy FM radio he was receiving regular death threats that he suspected were from authorities. The president of the Cameroon Journalist Trade Union, Marion Obam, spoke to local media Tuesday at a press conference in Douala. Obam says Cameroonian journalists will wear dark clothes every Wednesday to show they want all suspected killers of journalists to be arrested and answer to murder charges. She says journalists are asking for freedom to carry out their profession. Obam says in the past four years, four journalists have either been killed or died in suspicious circumstances, while at least 20 experienced severe violations of their rights. The president's office on Friday said more than 20 people had been detained over Zogo's killing, including senior police intelligence officers. The statement did not elaborate and officials declined requests for comment. On Monday, police detained seven more people, including media mogul Jean-Pierre Amugu Belinga at his Yaoundé home. They also detained Belinga's chief of security, who is a former presidential guard commander 
and the head of his Vision 4 TV channel, it's not clear if any has been officially arrested or charged. Zogo, on his popular radio program, said Belinga had plans to kill him for reporting on Belinga's alleged corruption deals with officials. Authorities in Cameroon have not yet issued a statement on the killing of Bebe. Government spokesperson René Emmanuel Sadi told State Cameroon Radio Television Sunday authorities will punish anyone involved in killing or threatening journalists. Le Cameroon est un état de droit. He says Cameroon is a country of laws where fundamental freedoms, including press freedoms, are guaranteed by the state. Sadi said he was urging all Cameroonians, especially journalists, to be patriotic and wait for the results of investigations ordered by President Paul Biya into the murder of Zogo and other abuses. Since the killings, several other journalists in Cameroon say they have received death threats. Police have also detained reporters who interviewed colleagues on the journalists who were killed, seized their equipment, and erased their recordings. Yaoundé-based freelance reporter Fonban Emmanuel told VOA Tuesday the atmosphere for the press is one of intimidation and fear. Nobody would want to be killed. When journalists are moving, they feel that the wars can come to them. We even have some families who are already beginning to advise that their children should not engage in journalism because it could invite agony to their lives. Many journalists are waiting to see the Cameroon government bring to book those who have brought this kind of agony to the media in Cameroon. The UN's human rights spokesperson in Geneva on Tuesday issued a statement of deep concern over the killing of the second journalist in Cameroon in just two weeks and called on authorities to ensure an independent, effective, and impartial investigation. The Committee to Protect Journalists has called on Cameroonian authorities to ensure transparency in the investigations and deliver justice. Moki Edwin Kinzuka for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. A general once close to Congo's long-serving president, Denis Sassou Ngueso, has been released after serving a five-year term for an alleged assassination plot. The French news agency, AFP, says 73-year-old General Norbert Dabira, who was once an inspector general of the armed forces and senior commissioner for reintegrating the military, left prison yesterday. Dabira was jailed in 2018 for endangering internal state security by allegedly hiring two elite snipers to shoot down the president's plane. Two other colleagues of Dabira who were presidential candidates in 2016, were handed 20-year jail terms. Sasu Ngueso has led the Republic of Congo for nearly 40 years. As you heard in our show yesterday, four African musicians were among the winners at the 65th Grammy Awards held Sunday in Los Angeles. Multi-award-winning Nigerian musician Temps made history as the first Nigerian woman to win a Grammy. She won the best melodic rap performance for the song Wait For You, where she was featured by multi-award-winning hip-hop artists Future and Drake. 
South African musicians Zex Bantiwini, Noam Kibo Zikoda, and Wouter Kellerman were the other three African acts to walk away with a Grammy. They won for their song titled Bete. Yesterday, VOA's Heather Maxwell spoke with Noam Kibo Zikodi about the big win. Honestly speaking, I'm over the moon coming from um, a small uh, township in Hammersdale. I've never thought that one day I can be here representing my own country, South Africa. Uh, like it's, 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 a, it's something very big for me. Now, you won the award for the song Bayete. You sing it, but there's also the flutist, Wouter Kellerman, and Zeke's uh, uh, Bantwini, the DJ and producer. What is the song about? The song is about um, give praises to God. It's all about that. I was just giving praises to God. Um, I remember Bota has been looking for me. Um, asking people around, where can I get this woman? This woman, I love her so much. I first hear his voice from uh, this biggest song, Jerusalem. So at last, he then um, met up with Zix Bantwini and then told Zix Bantwini that, Zix, please make it possible for me. I want to do a song with this woman. Then, um, yeah, we did, a, we, we did a song together, me, Zix, and Volta. Here we are today. So, can you sing a bit of Bawete for us? <laughs> so, I'm saying, God, never leave me. Make sure that you go along with me everywhere. Like, I'm giving praises to God. <laughs> That's very beautiful. Now, most people know you uh, around the world. They know you for the song Jerusalem. Um, I can't remember. Did that win a Grammy Award? No, it didn't, my angel. You know, I wrote and sang that biggest song, uh, Jerusalem. It took the world by a storm. Um, like, we were not nominated for this song, or maybe we didn't get um, the, the, the Grammy Award with this song, but... Uh, I think God knew that Bayete was coming and made sure that he put me in the right place at the right time. So I'm not complaining. I feel like God's timing is never wrong. So what is next for you now? I mean, it must be kind of hard to think about it because you're still in L.A. You just had the Grammys last night. It's early morning for you still. But what are you what, what are you going to give now for, for the future? For the future, it has to be music. My people has be, like they've been on my neck asking for new music. So I'm going to give people new music, beautiful music. Um, my supporters, they, they really can't wait. So all I can say is that people can just check me on social media, uh, on my social media platform to um, to uh, to hear when exactly I'm, I'm releasing the new music. And that was Grammy winner Noam Kibo Zikodi. She was speaking with Heather Maxwell, host of VOA's Music Time in Africa program. You can hear more of that interview on voaafrica.com. 
and a man was seriously injured today after setting himself on fire outside the Moroccan consulate in the Spanish capital Madrid. His motive was not known. The French news agency AFP quoted an eyewitness as saying bystanders tried to pull off his burning cloth and put out the flames with a fire extinguisher. The victim, said to be in his 40s, was taken to the hospital in serious condition. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokvilia Barrow, and our engineer, Adrias Rigas, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.